Guitarathon is the greatest guitar sale on earth, and it's happening now. Get massive savings on a huge selection of electric and acoustic guitars, basses, amps, pedals, and other accessories. Get select Ernie Ball strings, three for ten. Save $100 on a Fender Special Edition Strat, or get a Yamaha acoustic for just $199. Plus, get special financing on select major brands. Don't miss these incredible deals. Available online and in store now through November 1st. Guitarathon, only at Guitar Center. Find your sound. You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Mavericks for Thursday, February 23rd. I'm Mike. Jake is out of town, so we've got a, a special edition for you on uh, episode number 90 today. And tomorrow, we'll be speaking with Bobby Corrala of Mavs.com, one of my uh, one of my favorite people and one of my favorite basketball minds um, out there. And the uh, conversation got a little long, so I cut it into two parts. So uh, uh, you'll enjoy a Thursday version and a Friday version because... It's kind of uh, meaningless to post anything before the trade deadline, and also there are no games going on, no real game action right now. So I um, figured I'd just give you a little treat and have a chat with uh, one of my favorite people to talk Mavs with. So I hope you enjoy it. All right. So how you been, man? I've been good. Yeah? Yeah. I'm sure you didn't expect four and seventeen uh, in, in the beginning of December, but uh, here we are. I don't think anybody expected four and seventeen in the beginning of December. I've never seen it like that, like all at once with three st- three starters, right? Yeah, Darren Dirk and Bogut, and obviously your your main bench player Barea, who yeah. became a starter exactly and was putting up like twenty a game. Mm-hmm. And so now we're not a bad team. They're playing actually like a top eight team if you look at net ratings and believe in all that, but still at 22 wins, 34 losses. It did freak me out to look at the loss column uh, whatever day it was and be like, well, they've had seasons, entire seasons, when they didn't lose this many games. They had a lot of those in a row. Yeah, they, they had quite a few of those like a decade where they didn't lose this many games and we were at game like, I don't know. Uh, 50 or something <laughs> and we'd lost 32 games or something like that and that's bizarre and we took it all for granted whenever it was uh whenever things were really good we just laughed at each other and we deserve this but uh the the credit card came due i guess absolutely one well, i think what made it even harder to kind of grapple with is that the spurs have been so good for so long that we in dallas never realized how good the mavs were for so long too so to, to everybody else, to all the other 28 teams, it's like, my God, the Spurs and the Mavs, when was the last time they didn't win 50? But in Dallas, it's, my God, when was the last time the Mavs won more games than the Spurs? Yeah. You're you're kind of measuring yourself against the impossible. Yeah, you can't hold yourself to the Patriots standard. Yeah. You know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Dirk, that, just, that goes to show you what Dirk and some good management and some nice supporting players can do. Mm-hmm. You get 50 wins in the NBA every single season, even... 
even like that 04 team and the 08 team, which were kind of like, eh, I'm not sure about this, they still won 50. They won 50 with Samuel D'Alembert yeah. as their starting center. Yeah. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Well, they had the rotation of uh, Damp and Sagana Job, mm-hmm. and they beat Prime Duncan yep. with those guys. That's bizarre, man. And that, t- that tells you two things. One, the Mavs are, for all the grief that we give them, they can build a team. And two, mm-hmm. how freaking good was Dirk mm-hmm. in, from 2003 to 2000 today? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's been playing pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> what is it, three weeks now when he's averaging like 20 and – and seven and shooting like 45 from three. Yeah, he had four straight games in single digits for the first time in his career. And then now I think he hasn't scored like less than 18 since. Do you think that's just him getting getting warmed up and him getting uh, getting his legs underneath him and you know, all that stuff he always talks about? I think a little bit, yeah. Um, also, I think playing with Curry helps because he's a shooter, whereas Finney Smith wasn't really drawing that kind of attention. And mm-hmm. um, whenever he was playing with Yogi, that pick and roll was really working for them, but Teams are now starting to game plan for Yogi Ferrell, which yeah. I don't think anyone ever saw coming, including Yogi Ferrell. Oh, yeah. And uh, now that they're paying attention to him coming off screens, Dirk is just wide open for three, so it's just bombs mm-hmm. away. So I guess since Curry's been inserted into the uh, starting lineup at the at the two and bumping, you know, you bump Wes up, you bump Barnes up, and Dirk plays the center now, um, that's helped the offensive end, obviously, because Finney Smith, no one's going to defend him out of the three-point line, and the only three that I even feel – comfortable with him shooting as a wide open corner three um at this point he did have a he had a good stretch he had a, he, yeah a good month December he was for really an undrafted good. guy yeah. like thank you that was awesome yeah for um, sure. and I mean he could turn into a really good player oh like yeah a really for good sure. rotation player a lot of potential there uh for that dude I mean all he has to do is play the level of defense he does and knock down threes at a you know acceptable clip and he is a successful NBA find yeah like, automatically you need four of those guys on your team to be good yeah and so you bump Seth into the starting lineup. Dirk slides over to center. I've been kind of surprised um, how well they've gotten away with Dirk Nowitzki playing the five, and people haven't cut their throat for it. Like they've lost some games strictly because of rebounding. Like it's happened um, where they got out rebounded by like twenty two, and it's like, oh, how are you going to win uh, in that situation? But the balancing act of we're going to concede the the rebounds. We're going to hope to out points per possession you because Seth is on the court and Dirk is on the court. It's fascinating to me to watch. And Yogi Ferrell too, yeah. who's the one of the smallest point guards in the league. Mm-hmm. But yeah, basically they're just they're counting on getting to 110 before anybody else, but really what's happened is with Dirk at center, um they're scoring like 1.134 points per possession since that lineup change, which is really really good. I mean, mm-hmm. that's like league leading, but they're allowing 1.142 <laughs> So they're they're giving up just a bit more, and those those points all seem to catch up with them in the same game. So like against Denver, Denver scored like 128 or whatever, mm-hmm. and against Detroit, where Detroit couldn't miss, and in their losses, it's making their losses look really bad, but it's making their wins look really good. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, it comes down to is the other guy's point guard making mid range shots, and whenever Reggie Jackson was and Jamal Murray was, that's what or. Is Nikola Jokic going out and you yeah. know styling all over Dirk? <laughs> right, I mean, that's that's just a tough thing to overcome. Do they the, have like any kind of solution? Do you think like do you have any ideas on um, fixing the rebounding situation, or is it just something we live with? Is it just like our? Is it just a, a house guest at this point in the season where you can't get rid of it? It's something that I think you got to live with, but 
the way that the way that Rick Carlisle sees it is basically if Wes Matthews can get six, mm-hmm. and if Devin Harris can come off the bench and get three, if whoever the starting point guard is after the trade deadline and Barnes can combine for ten, if Seth Curry gets you three, then you just kind of like nickel and dime and make it up that way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, you're not going to get Dirk's not going to get a double double every night. This is those days are long gone. And um, with with Dirk being responsible for boxing out the big guy, oftentimes they got to help him with someone else. So it's it's either Barnes helping or Wes. So yeah, I mean, they really got to just hope for good bounces mm-hmm. or you know bust their tail to keep it alive or have Salah go in and just go insane the way he has the last <laughs> few games. Right? Was it the what the seventy sixers game? 17 rebounds. Yeah. Yeah. And then he had, he had another big rebound game against the Magic, but mm-hmm. I mean, those two teams have something in common. Exactly. Um, the rebounding issue, I remember I used to always bitch about Parsons, like get more than five rebounds, but come on. And it's just kind of the, na- I guess it is kind of the nature of the offense and the nature of like how they use that player in this offense because Barnes is better. I mean, he's, you know, what, seven rebounds a game? Um, six. Yeah. Is he six? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I guess that position on this team just isn't asked to to board that much. I guess you're kind of like a complimentary, like you said, pinch pinch the big man in these situations. Yep. I don't know if we'll ever have a a guy playing the four or whatever whatever you want to call it. Now it's so weird because you're sliding everybody up naturally, but it's not on the offensive end of the court. It's it's weird. But um, I don't think we're ever going to have a a secondary rebounder or a secondary big that's going to average more than like. I don't think we ever ever have a guy that's going to do ten rebounds a game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless the unless they get a big, yeah, a big guy to play center. But yeah, I don't see maybe in the NBA in the entire NBA outside of New Orleans now. I don't know if a power forward will ever get ten a game. Again. Mm-hmm. It's just teams are shooting threes, so there are long rebounds. No one ever gets offensive rebounds anymore, right? So you're trying to limit transitions so much. Yeah, and I mean, even if a team misses fifty shots in a game, which you're not seeing that very often, but if they do, they're going to get five of them on accident offensively and then there's only so many others for everyone else to get so mm-hmm. yeah I mean the Mavs basically what they're doing is like the the Stan Van Gundy strat- strategy of just throwing bodies in and just building an effing wall around the restricted area just hoping that you can get it you know right deflect it tap it strip a guy who's you know who comes down with it just do something get the ball back the other thing that's kind of stuck around since early in the season and it's easily ex- explainable and it was even easier earlier in the season when everyone was hurt, is uh, they can't defend the three-point line. Like, it's just, I can look at box scores. You can you could blur out everything, and you show me rebounding differential and what each team shot from three, and I'm going to tell you if the Mavs won or not, because <laughs> I can figure it out pretty quickly. If, uh, if, if their opponent is bombing from three and they're hitting above, I don't know, 38% or something like that, whatever. There, I'm sure there's a ma- some imaginary cutoff line that Followell would be easily quotable. Uh, yeah. When the other team shoots 38%. Um, but I don't know if that's fixable with the rolling out three guards either. You know what I mean? I feel like these are just things you kind of have to... That's us. And if we match somebody else's uh, um, three-point shooting on a night, like we'll have a chance, but... Those are my two biggest, like, I can't fix this and it's killing us things. The key to stopping the three for the Mavs now that they kind of changed their strategy with what the big guy is doing. So their center now, if it's Dirk or whoever else, just slips under the screen and just, like, lays back. So it really turns 
it puts all the responsibility on the point guard to do something with that pick, either go underneath or go over or try and you know kind of like sneak your way around the pick or whatever. So if Darren Williams gets beat, then it turns the game into five on four. So that's why I, Cuban loves Farrell because he considers Farrell one of the best pick dodgers in the league. I don't really know if you can measure that or <laughs> right. you just have to really pay attention to that on on tape. But um, if Farrell or whoever can avoid getting caught in that pick, then it's five on five again and they got to pull it back out. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think part of that was scheme. I mean, last year they had Dirk hedging out pretty hard on these screens and I mean it just it was tough to overcome but mm-hmm. this year they kind of cleaned that up a little bit and are trying to force mid-range shots but yeah I mean if teams get that skip pass then it's just it's over but you're talking about those threes uh I may have found the cutoff point actually okay. in, in wins in Mavs wins opponents are shooting 33 percent from three 33.3 in Mavs losses opponents shooting 42.2 which is that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's crazy. So that's, that's obscene. Yeah, and and teams shoot basically the same number of threes and wins versus losses. So that's the difference between a, an opponent making eight and an opponent making ten point six. So that's an extra yeah eight points. Yeah, that, yeah, you should you should lose that game. <laughs> yeah, and I mean some of it is like how many do you remember where it's like a, you know the end of the shot clock, some prayer mm-hmm. shot or whatever. But I mean, yeah, generally teams are have been able to beat them from the corner, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of part of it you got to hope those shots miss at some point yeah um so how do you feel about I guess we'll start offense how do you feel about the offense since everything has kind of been settled since the new starting lineup since you know since Seth honestly since Seth has been starting how do you feel um they measure up on the offensive end uh with this weird you know wonky sliding everybody up well I think moving Dirk from four to five and moving Barnes from three to four and moving Bogut from five to the bench when he's healthy or obviously he's been out for a long time with injury to turn them from maybe the slowest team in the NBA to like the most revolutionary offense. Everyone is fascinated with three-point shooting now, but the Mavs have the best center three-point shooter probably ever, Derek. I mean, he's shooting 39% this year, like 37 for his career. Mm Mm-hmm. And he still draws more attention than probably anybody in the NBA in the pick and roll. I mean, it's unbelievable to watch him. So it's a it's a pretty simple fix. It's something that you kind of imagined them doing. I mean, especially because Barnes is so powerful and can can really play power forward fine and not give up too much defensively. But yeah, I mean, I it, I'm not surprised that they're playing so well with Dirk at five. They've had success doing that forever. Just you spread the floor and you set a pick for a guy and then the defense is just going to tell you what they're going to do. There's nobody mm-hmm. at the rim playing defense. Everyone is out 25 feet from the basket. So Darren Williams or Yogi Ferrell or Curry or whoever can just pretty easily see like, okay, this guy's going to be open or I'm open. So I'm going to shoot it. I mean, it just, it, it breaks the game to play five out the way that they do with Dirk. There's nothing, there's nothing an opponent can do to stop. Truly. There's nothing unless their big guy can switch and play defense against a point guard. Like, who can do that? Like towns. Right. Yeah. And that's it. That's the future of the league is getting centers that can do that. Mm-hmm. But right now, I mean, Marcus Saul is not going to switch and guard Seth Curry. Like that's just not happening. <laughs> right. Gobert can't. Gobert couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Seth Curry beat him too. So yeah. it just makes it really, really tough to guard them for forty eight minutes. Now, obviously, you got to make sure that you get yours on the other end too. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's defensive issues, but I mean, offensively, it's just been it's been predictable for me, but impressive for everyone else, I guess. The thing, I don't. This is just like a loose theory, just from like watching you know, a ton of games and watching you start the game whenever you're down there on defense 
at a mismatch, like on against twenty teams. If a team has like a legit center that has some kind of offensive capability, you're starting the game left-handed. Like there's no way around it. And the thing that I think Rick knows, and he knows they can get away with Dirk playing center, is because dude, it's boring to dribble down there and just entry pass into the post. Oh, for sure. You know? It's really boring to do that and watch, you know, Gobert eat somebody up. And teams will do it for a half. They might even do it for like two and a half quarters. They will not keep on doing it. It's like in football, whenever you're like, you're averaging five yards a carry and that's not good enough for you. You're like, let's uh, let's sling this thing around. Let's get this play action going, you know? When you can just bludgeon them to death, like going at Dirk's head, or even if they throw in like uh, Salah, you know? Bogut's a different different animal, obviously, but if you go, Salah's the same thing. Um, but it's just fascinating to me that I feel like Rick knows this. If you got him, honestly, you'd be like, people should be killing you down on your defensive end uh, because you have Dirk out there, and people just can't stay concentrated and stick to that simple uh, formula enough. And, of course, they'll adapt a little bit, and they'll start playing over and denying the ball, but I can't believe it's it's worked this well. <laughs> Yeah, well, in the regular season, there's just not a lot of game planning, mm-hmm. honestly, that goes on. I mean, I have never been in a locker room five minutes before the tip, but I've been in a locker room an hour before the tip, and I mean, I've watched a bajillion games. I mean, you can just tell opponents are going to run their stuff, the Mavs are going to run their stuff, no matter who they're against. Now, there are players, Dirk, for example, where they'll say, okay, if he is setting a high screen, then pay attention to him because he's a shooter, but you're not going to rewrite your playbook to you know, take on the Mavs in January. Mm-hmm. In the playoffs, it's obviously hurt them. You yeah. know, it hurt them against the Rockets for sure. The, oh, yeah. the Josh Smith, Dwight Howard thing. I mean, that was that won them the series basically. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, in the regular season, this is not going to happen. Our, the Washington game actually sticks out for for example on uh, January third. I think it was they began the game with like five post ups for Gortat in the first quarter, and I think he scored on one of them and he missed on the other ones and. Mm-hmm. It's just like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you have John Wall. Yeah. Like, bring, do what the Mavs do. Bring Dirk out 25 feet from the basket. Make mm-hmm. him play defense in space. But teams just don't, not all coaches think that way. Yeah. You take Carlisle for granted. But, I mean, Carlisle would never do that. He's not going to, if Sala gets a, you know, a point guard switch on him, they're not going to clear out and post up Sala. That's just <laughs> not happening. Because even, even the best post up players in the league score one point per possession. Or okay, point really, really uh, inefficient. Yeah, post ups even even good players yeah. like Dirk is an amazing post up player and he scores like one point oh five, which is barely. Barnes has become really good at it. Yeah, and he's one. Yeah, and one is good. I mean, mm-hmm. one is, but one point oh two is average point per yeah. possession in the NBA. Yeah. So if you're if the best post up guys are below average, like offensive efficiency just in general, then why would you ever do it? Mm-hmm. And that's the that's kind of the way of the the future, really. Which is a shame because I kind of like post ups. Yeah, I think they're cool. I like post ups a lot. Like I like, I don't know. I guess developing those moves are pretty tough. Yeah. Like I don't know some dudes that just aren't built like that. They don't have their hips are tight. They don't have the you know they can't uh, get the footwork down. Like it's a tough thing to do and be like consistently uh, good at it, but. But dude, like whenever Barnes hits a turnaround, yep. like off the dribble, and there's mm-hmm. a hand, it's just like it's so awesome to yeah. watch, you know. And Carl Towns like came into the league with a left-handed and right-handed hook shot. It's mm-hmm. incredible to watch those guys play. But I mean, it's inefficient offense, <laughs> right? So just shoot threes. Yeah, shoot just threes shoot all day. Fifty threes a game. Shoot threes all day. Yep, threes are layups. 
Like nothing else matters. Yep. I have a question for you. Shoot. What do you think? So before the season started, one of the things we talked about was Matthews mm-hmm. and kind of how he played last year and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, his numbers have gone up the last few weeks. What have you thought of him in year two? Especially, I mean, the beginning of the year was kind of rough for him, obviously, because they were without Dirk. But mm-hmm. since Dirk has come back, particularly since moving to three, do you think that he's back to pre Achilles West? Do you think he's better? Do you think he's worse? What do you What do you he's think of him? pretty close to uh, pre Achilles West. Like, I don't think it's necessarily fair to judge him off pre Achilles West because that's twenty seven year old. Yeah. Just natural. I mean, he's, he's thirty now, right? Yeah, thirty. Yeah, thirty and uh, almost thirty and a half. Um, Happy half birthday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't even. If he took that natural uh, progression of when he was twenty seven to thirty, I think it might look like this. Mm-hmm. So this is normal bell curve um, of what I expected from West Matthews at age thirty. And I've been, dude. I've I've liked his game this year. I've liked it a lot. Like he can get like flaming hot. He hasn't had the just awful patches that he had last year where I was like, get him off the court. Like he's not contributing. There were times last year where it was not looking. Yeah. Great. I was like, this is, he's never getting back, but I mean, he's now up to what? 15 points, um, shooting 30, 38% from three. That's his normal. That's him. Yeah. That's Wes. When, since the lineup changes, I think it's like 41. Wow. He's had a couple the game against Detroit, I think he was like 0 for 7, and the mm-hmm. game before that he was like 1 for 5. But generally, he's been he's been really good. I think moving to 3 has really helped him oh, yeah. so much off the dribble. For sure. And the thing I like the most is uh, not necessarily the numbers, not necessarily like the three-point percentage, which I expect him to be him. I expect him to be an above-average three-point shooter that shoots a volume of threes, uh, which is a valuable thing in the league. But... The thing I like the most is like just watching him, knowing that he trusts like his second step. Like if he if he pump fakes and someone bites hard, like he knows he has a counter move, and he's been really great like floating in the paint and uh, getting people in weird situations in between and just having a soft touch around the basket. Like I really like that out of him because yeah. that's what we needed last year. That's what that's what got a, got us beat in so many situations last year. Is he would run somebody off, he'd get run off the three point line and he had no counter. And then the offense is like, uh, here's Zaza. Yep. Like, just do, do, do something with the ball. And yep. he didn't trust himself. And now he clearly trusts himself. And he's clearly worked on that a lot because it's almost automatic when he gets near the paint. He has a soft touch. He knows what position to get into. Like, it's just simple stuff. But when your leg is snapped, when the main thing that connects your leg to your foot is snapped, and you don't have confidence in it, it's just a different ball game. Yeah, for sure. I think that him, I mean, he definitely struggled off the dribble last year. I, I can say that comfortably. But mm-hmm. I think that really hurt them kind of in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I mean, at that point, D-Will was, he was hurt. Mm-hmm. Berea was hurt. Yeah, Berea had the hernia. They just didn't have anyone that could get into the lane and kind of make a play. And now, you know, Williams and Farrell can... Uh, to a, I mean, Farrell can do, Williams can to a degree, but Farrell definitely can. Curry, Seth Curry can. Kill I mean, dude, you. He's been, his floaters. <laughs> I did not know that he had that shot. I knew he could shoot the three, but I did not know he had that. Floater. Dude, his confidence, whenever like, I don't know, they'll get a switch on to him. It was like the Utah game. Whenever I was like, oh my god, yeah, like he was like, okay, best defensive player in the league. Come on, yeah, let, let's go, let's go. And he was just 
Did a couple, you know, bob and weave back and forth dribbles and was like, I'm gone. Yeah, and he didn't even try and get cute about it either. No. I mean, it was just zoom right by yeah. him. And after the game, I asked him too, like, you look up and you have Gobert on you. What are you mm-hmm. thinking? And he said, well, I can't let a center guard me. <laughs> right. And I was like, that kind of sounds like you're a little headstrong. But at yeah. the same time, like, he's got to show that he could do it, you know. Yeah. Otherwise, teams are just going to keep switching on him and they're not going to respect him. But Dude, his evolution has been awesome. Yeah, he's been, to me, I mean, Barnes has been unbelievable obviously mm-hmm. but curry's been maybe the most like the most pleasant surprise yeah i mean he barnes, like barnes is so consistent player. that we're like kind of take it for granted yeah the first 20 games like wow barnes is good and after that is like all right he's still yeah he's, he's still, still doing that good. right yeah and i mean that's that's silly of us to you know we want we just want uh these these uh line graphs that keep just going up towards the sun like that's what we want yeah we want yogi ferrell <laughs> exactly we want yogi um and maybe next year barnes Takes another step, figures out I can score twenty two a game. I can shoot better from three. He can get to the free throw line. I can, yeah, I can get some more free throws. Um, maybe in the off season. That's just a lot to ask to like. Oh, come into this season, be excellent in isolation, be really good at post up. Oh, and by the way, just like continuously get better with a team that's constantly in flux. How about that? Let's do that. Yeah, you're Let's not playing that. with the same point guard or right. center or teammate every night. You're playing a new position. Right. Teams are double teaming you now. Yep. Our bar, our bar got adjusted so hard, so quickly, and then he kept doing that. It wasn't like, okay, well, Dirk's back. Are you going to like turn back into a pumpkin, or what's going to happen? And he just, <laughs> he was like, oh, I'm going to keep doing this exact same thing, actually, yeah. the exact same thing. And uh, he's been great, man. Like, I take back all the bad things I said about Harrison Barnes in the preseason. Um, he's made everybody look. Oh yeah, very very stupid. And yes. I'm sure he's the nicest guy in the world, so mm-hmm. he wouldn't. He'll never say this out loud, but I'm right. sure it makes him so happy. Too. Oh, he's got to man. I mean, he read. I'm sure he read every single article, mm-hmm. saw every headline, saw Brandon Jennings call him terrible. There was a a headline on some site that said he's the worst Olympian ever. It's like, oh All my right. god, it must feel so awesome. Yeah, so awesome. Got to man. It's got. I mean. I can't remember how the voting ended up, but I mean, he was certain years. That's an all-star like 20. The record, the record definitely hasn't helped him. But, exactly. But yeah, I mean, if you go 20 and six and it's efficient I mean, and he was having a, I mean, that's a better first, whatever it is, uh, 55 games or something than Josh Howard when Josh Howard made it for sure to me, you know yeah. what I mean? But we were riding high in the hog that like we were like, Oh, 55 wins. What is this? And you know what? Like, Obviously, it's a different time, and my memory of that is kind of cloudy because mm-hmm. it's just time has passed. But like Barnes might be better than Howard was. Yeah, it's a, he playing a different position, different sport, basically mm-hmm. at this point. But I mean, dude, Barnes is so good, and he's a, he's a building block. Like I don't know if he's okay. I'll, I'll ask you, I guess, because we've asked uh, quite a few people w- on a Western Conference contender. He can be the blank best player. Can he be the main, the best player on a Western Conference contending team? Can he be the second best? Okay, so I have a counter question for you. Okay. <laughs> so with the new lineup, they're what, like 11 and 7 or something? Mm-hmm. So what does that project to over the course of the year? Like 45 wins or 46 wins, something yeah. like that? Yeah. Not, not not quite 50, but like somewhere good. Mm-hmm. So let's assume that this Mavs fivesome with mm-hmm. D-Will, West, Barnes, Curry, whatever, and, and uh, Dirk. Is what? Where does Barnes rank in that group? Is he better than Dirk? Is uh, he better than Wes? He's 
He's better than both those guys. Yeah. I would say Dirk is more important than Barnes. Oh, Dirk is, but... And Wes is the better two-way player. Barnes is every night, though, man. Yeah, Barnes is every night. So Every single so, night, and he guards a tougher position. I mean, Dirk does guard fives, but it's not. It's just like kind of slapping. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, dude, Seth Curry is shooting like 50% from three, Yeah, and he's the dynamic secondary playmaker that everyone has wanted forever. So it's mm-hmm. like Barnes has the bulk of the scoring load, but I'm not sure he's the alpha. I mean, you see what they try to do whenever they're in a pinch and two minutes left. It's Barnes isolation. It's Barnes, yeah. It's yeah. a lot of Barnes or that. You know, the, the game-winning play in Chicago was that high screen roll with Dirk. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of a desperation deal. Yeah, I mean, so I would say that, yeah, Barnes is probably the best or second-best player on this team, and they've been mm-hmm. they've been pretty good. Yeah. They've, so, been, they've been fine. They've been what I assumed they would have been this year. Yeah, 11-7 like, and seven times whatever, mm-hmm. times four is, yeah, 44-45 wins. Yeah. That's pretty good, and he's been their yeah. best or second-best player. So yeah. maybe, maybe mm-hmm. he could be your best, and yeah. he's still only 24. I asked that question, and I kind of think it's a silly question. It kind um, of is, because every, te- every team is different. It's like, like, what's after that? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if he is your second best player, who's your third and your fourth and your fifth? That's yeah. what I need to know. Yeah, who, like, like that was going to be my initial question, is who's right. the point guard and <laughs> right. who's the center? Like, right. what, are you, what are you trying to do? Yeah. But, like, in this team, playing five out, where you got a center spotting up from three, and Barnes has all the underneath space in the world to work, mm-hmm. that's perfect for him. Yeah. But if he's playing... I, I haven't looked at the numbers, but I would imagine that Barnes has been much, much better playing with Dirk mm-hmm. at center. It's like 58% EFG as opposed to with Powell or Sala or Bogut. Mm-hmm. It's, it just must be night and day because he has so much more room. Yeah. I'm very interested to see what next year. He has a whole off season to go, okay, they're giving me the ball in like key situations. Like yeah. I'm the main offensive cog. He doesn't only take some of shots necessarily. I'm sure there's dudes that shoot more, but... I want to see what the next the next step for Harrison Barnes is because I think so Rick knows this season has kind of allowed Rick to like try some things mm-hmm. and teach some lessons that you might not be able to if you start out you know eleven and six or whatever a normal start would be for the Mavs um, when you start out four and seventeen there are some situations in games where you can go okay. Let's give it to Harrison the last four possessions of this game. See if he can get us back in it. Just some moments that are some teachable moments that don't arise otherwise. Uh, if you're not like just completely in the toilet by game 21. And I, I want to see what the next version of that is. What is Harrison Barnes game one next year? Like, cause I, I don't think Dirk's going to be starting at five. I don't know. You know, it, dude, who knows? I, I said this the end of last year and I was like, are they gonna roll? Is like their best idea, like Dirk starting at five, because you can't sit him. Like he's too good offensively still. But I don't know. We've flirted with Dirk going to the bench and different ideas, but I mean it's working. 